The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of June is The Majesty's Men. The Majesty's Men is a multifaceted venture for maximizing men by glorifying God together. TheMajesty'sMen.com focuses on creating content and community for men with an evangelical, reformed, and complementarian perspective on issues we face and roles we fulfill as men of God in our society. The Majesty's Men hosts the Honor God Network, which focuses on content and ministry for men of God. The Honor God Network takes the massive infrastructure and premium tools of TheMajesty'sMen.com and shares them with exemplary men of God who are faithfully, boldly, and winsomely serving others and engaging society with the gospel of Jesus Christ via their personal blogs and podcasts or other projects and ministries. The Majesty's Men then assist in the management and upkeep of the site so everyone can continue doing what they're doing with excellence. A membership on one site gives you access to all the sites in the network and many blogs, podcasts, resources, and projects, and other partner ministries that are in the works. Learn more, join in, and contribute at themajestiesmen.com. Learn more about the Honor God Network and see if you and your work may be a good fit to join by simply typing hnr.gd into your browser. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Here it is. It's episode 45, and I'm looking forward to talking to you today about the role of women in the home. I'm working through a series equipping you to be able to talk about gender in the church as you're preaching and as you're discipling. And in our day, we really do need a backbone about this because this will bring ridicule to you if you really lean into the biblical teaching on gender. But it's beautiful and it's real and it's true and we never need to be ashamed of God's word. And so today I want to talk to you about the role of women in the home. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that these men are interested in knowing how to preach the Bible faithfully in regards to gender and sexuality. And God, I ask for strength as uh, we think about these things and wisdom. And for if there's any ladies listening in, get Lord, I pray that you would I, you'd just speak to them through your word and that you would help them to see clearly what you've called them to do in the home. And I just trust God that you're going to lead. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. This is never talked about anymore anyways, even in complementarian circles, simply because I think, and you've heard me in these interviews as I talk about uh, people being embarrassed about their complementarianism, these passages, Titus 2 and Proverbs 31, Titus 2 in particular, are woefully neglected. Even, again, by those who say they're complementarian, when you begin to get into verses, Bible verses, what ends up happening is pastors get terrified of five women in their church. And I just want to challenge you men to not be scared of the women in your church, to speak to them about what the Bible says to them. Don't withhold from them good word from the Lord because we're nervous about what they're going to say. And usually there's two or three in a smaller church or five or ten maybe. I mean, as you go up, there's, there's just women that pastors are scared of. And I just don't be scared of them. I mean, say what God has to say. There's absolutely no reason to be scared of them. But we do want to do a quick refresh. I want to do a quick refresh for us this morning. Just again say that we're talking about equality of women, but beyond the equality of women and and men, we're talking about manhood and womanhood because God has bestowed dignity well beyond, you know, bare humanity or just, you know, asexual beings. God has made gendered beings male and female. 
And sometimes God speaks to the man as a man, and sometimes God speaks to the woman as a woman, and sometimes God's speaking to humanity, like the creation mandate came down to male and female. But we know, based on gender uh, distinctions, when God is speaking to men and women, because he says it to the women or to the older women. And we see that here in this passage in Titus chapter 2. Now, notice in Titus chapter 2, I'm starting in verse 1, that he begins to speak to the older men. Actually, I'll just start in verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded. So who's he talking to right there? Now let's put our you know thinking caps on here. He's not talking to young men. He's not talking to women. He's talking to older men. A specific group is being addressed. Not women, not young men, but older men. Then in verse 3, we get the first two words, older women. Now, who's he talking to? Well, he's not talking to the younger women. He's not talking to men. He's talking to older women. Now, older women are honored by being spoken to by the Lord, specifically a specific group. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderous or slaves to too much wine. They're to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, these words are helpful, and older women need to hear about this. And younger women need to hear about this as well, because they're in the game of being taught by these older women to love their husbands and love their children. But they're to be reverent, not slanders, not slaves to wine, and they're to teach. They're to teach the younger ladies what is good. And ladies are required, biblically, to use their brain. And that's what women should be doing today. They should be growing theologically. They should be, they should be learning their craft. They should be thinking deeply. So what are they to teach? What are these older women to teach? Well, they're to train them. Train the young women. to. Here's the big thing, and everything kind of hinges on this, to love their husbands and children. <laughs> now, now, love is a unique thing. That's the number one responsibility for, for ladies at the, in the home. And even if they're single and unmarried, we need to train our ladies that they are to love anyways. Love those who are close to them. They are to love and to help. And we see that everything flows from this. And love's a unique thing. And, and it's more than a decision. Love makes decision, but it's more than a decision. And over a long period of time in marriage and with children, showing love can become difficult. And so these older ladies, we, we, we internalize it, but sometimes it's hard to externalize it, especially for, for men. Um, but apparently for ladies also, that externalizing that love you can get into a motion and, and, and get into a routine and all of a sudden what begins to be externalized is not love. And Paul tells these older women to teach them to love their husband and children. It needs to be externalized. And then he says them to be self-controlled. Love requires self-control. Now, ladies need to understand this and it is just true across the board. Now, there are exceptions in the sense that there are some women that are not as emotional as some men. But it's a true across the board that men are less emotional than women and men are more emotional than women. Okay, women have periods, men don't. That's that's just the truth. Ladies have um, are, are emotional. And Paul, not all of them to the same degree, okay? But Paul tells them to be self-controlled. Ladies need to be self-controlled when they're loving their husbands and children because it's hard. Loving husbands and children, that's a hard thing. Ladies, as they're externalizing it and their husbands and children are 
going crazy, have to be self-controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we get the working from home. Ladies are called to be homemakers. There's no exception to this. This is your primary role. This is the primary role of a wife and a mother. And we don't need to be scared to say this. This passage doesn't exclude working outside of the home. We're going to see that in Proverbs 31. But here's what it means. It's not wrong for the husband to cook. It's not wrong for the husband to help her around the house. But it is wrong for the wife to never cook. It is wrong for the wife to never be involved at home. It's not wrong for the husband to clean. He should But it is wrong for the wife to never clean. The house, making food, cleaning, making it peaceful, it's primarily the ladies, the wife's, the woman's God-given responsibility. Now, this requires training, remember. And so it's going to require training from older women, but it's also going to require training from from pastors who are not scared to talk about these sorts of things. We just preached through it at our church. We just preached through a sermon series on this. You can find it at ChristChurchCarbondale.org. And check out these sermons or go on iTunes and search Christchurch Carbondale. But I just preached through this. That may be a resource for you as you're thinking through these things. And this is kind of a modified notes on the sermon series. But really, pastors, you just got to be able to say what the Bible says to women. Uh, Every woman and wife is a homemaker without exception. They don't get to say, well, that doesn't that doesn't bring fulfillment to me. Well, if a husband says again, well, it doesn't bring fulfillment to you. Uh, well, baby, it doesn't f- bring fulfillment to me to love you as Christ loved the church. Well, I'm sorry, uh, husband, you still have to love your wife. Uh, or, well, uh, working doesn't really, and providing for my family doesn't really bring me fulfillment. So, dummy, get to work. And so every wife or woman needs to be charged with this commission. You are a homemaker without exception. You say, well, there's people, women in our church that don't know how to do that. Well, that's why we need older women to come alongside and teach these things. It doesn't mean that a woman can't work outside the home, but it does mean that if work outside the home means that she can't do work inside the home, then her job is forcing her to sin because a woman cannot neglect work in the home and be walking in obedience. So what does this inside-outside-the-home balance look like for women? And pastors, we really need to know this, okay? We need to know this and know it well to be able to equip our families and churches like this. And there's going to be a lot of husbands and wives that have questions about this as they're raising children to know, okay, what's the balance because we need money and and what, what are we to do here? And so Proverbs 31 gives us an incredible grid, okay? It gives us an incredible grid to be able to understand the appropriate way to know when it's okay for a wife to work out, outside of the home, okay? So number one, uh, in Proverbs 31, verse 10 through 12, an excellent wife is more precious than jewels. We see that more precious than jewels. She's working hard in the home. In verse 13 to 23, we find out that she seeks wool and she, and, and flax, and she brings food from afar. And in all of this is in the context of, of what's previously stated that her, the heart of her husband trusts in her. She's a good woman. And man, she is just a respected woman, this Proverbs 31 type woman. And she's working hard from home and she's making food from afar, meaning she's not just making in verse 14, the same food every day. She's creating and a fun food maker. And she gets up early and provides food for the household. So she's a hard worker and she wakes up early. And in verse 16, she's taking care of her household and she needs more land to buy to be able to take care of her household. So she goes out and she buys a field and her husband trusts her. She just goes out and she gets what she needs to get. And uh, men, pastors, you're men. And if you're married, you have your wife. She needs to have the absolute liberty to get what she needs to take care of our families. And our hearts should trust in her. And our ladies should uh, 
be wise enough to not make stupid financial decisions, and we should trust them with that. But she needs to get what she needs to get to be able to take care of her family, to do her work. In verse 17, in Proverbs 31, she's a strong woman. She knows what she does is valuable outside the home. In verse 18, she observes what she's doing, and she observes, wow, there is a market for this. There would be buyers for this. I'm working with my hands and making these clothes, and I see that this would be valuable outside of the home. Now, notice in verse 19, she didn't make a big jump to Jerusalem and start the big business. She didn't yet start the business, even though she saw that her work was profitable and the work of her hands would go out and it would make her money and make the family money. She sits on it. She keeps working at home. This is the grid. Okay, this is what we need to help people think through when we're thinking through work outside and inside the home for for the ladies in our church. She sees that she can make a career outside of the home and she doesn't do it yet. She sits on it because that doesn't have her heart. Okay, she, she sees her family and she's her home and she understands the epic nature of working from home. She understands if she wants to make an impact in this world or make an impact on the generation, she needs to work from home and she needs to take the home seriously. In 19, she, she doesn't start making a, a big career jump to Jerusalem. She keeps working from home and she cares for the poor. In verse 20, in verse 21, she's not scared of the snow because her family is clothed and her husband is known at the gates in verse 23 and she he's praising her at the gates. Now in verse 24 is the one verse in Proverbs 31 where we see that she is a, a businesswoman and she knows her stuff, okay? In verse 24, we find after she knows that, okay, these garments would sell like hotcakes, she sits on it. And then in verse 24, the merchants come after patiently waiting. The time is right, and it's time for her to sell her products, and she starts her business. And then it's it's a crucial principle because she knows this starts back in verse 18. She waits on it until verse 24, and then she, and then she makes the profit. She actually has to have merchants that come and take her product away, meaning that her product is selling outside of her local area. I mean, she's doing a good job with this business. She is a business-savvy woman, and she's connected with these merchants, and it's going out in the ships, and her garments are going everywhere. This is this Proverbs 31, she's a savvy woman. And this is what we need to challenge our women to, by the grace of God, to, to grow in some of these areas. And honor is hers. In verse 25 to 31, uh, I mean, she is strong and dignified. She knows how to laugh. Wisdom is hers. She looks after the ways of her household. She's not lazy. Her husband and her children praise her. Uh, this is a woman who fears the Lord, and she is to be praised at the gates. That's where her husband works. She's to be praised at the gates. So husbands at the gates don't need to be talking anything but honor to their wives. And a, a husband who speaks in a negative way about his wife is not being a godly man. Now, we need to take into consideration the three uses of the law, and we need to teach our people this when we talk about biblical gender. A couple years ago, I remember think, talking to our church about gender and realizing, wait a minute, I'm kind of misusing the law here in the sense that I'm not giving them the gospel here. That manhood and womanhood is not the gospel. The false gospel, a false gospel is to present, you know, Titus 2 and the Proverbs 31 to our churches and, and, and to our ladies, the ladies of our church, and, and in a way that's that, that's saying, hey, this, this brings salvation because we've got to remember the three uses of the law. The first use of the law is to be a mirror and point us to Jesus. Because if we look at Proverbs 31 and t- Titus 2 and we just kind of lay that on a buffet at our church, the ladies of our church, it could be quite crushing. And the good news is not do this and live. The gospel is Jesus lived perfectly. He obeyed his heavenly father perfectly. Jesus had his priorities in line. He did not buy the lies of the world. He did it on our behalf. And he did for Christian women. He did it for Christian women who scoff at Proverbs 31. 
did it for Christian women who have the audacity to believe that God's holding back on them. He did it for Christian women who believe that they know better than God. He did it for Christian women who love Proverbs 31 and want to obey it. So when we're teaching this to our women and and to our churches, we need to make sure that we're pointing them to Jesus. And that all of this is in the context of the third purpose of the law, that they know what Christ has done for them, that he had his priorities in line. He obeyed the heavenly Father, his heavenly Father perfectly. And then we need to say, without fear, go by the grace of God and live out what God is calling you to be as a woman. And, and men, pastors, just simply don't be scared to say what God says to women. Teach them faithfully from the word who they are to be as they follow Christ. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.